Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. This episode we have a very special guest on, political analyst Ollie Carpenter, who will join us in breaking down the takeover latest, giving his insight on the hashtag No to Ricketts campaign. And we also debate who is the greatest player to peak in their 30s at Chelsea. Now here are your hosts, all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. The international break, it's in full swing. And we're joined today by my co-hosts, Berth and Chris, but also special guest, Ollie Carpenter, a political analyst, but also a football mind that I've personally been really keen to have on our show. Now, Ollie, I'm going to throw you at the deep end here, but it's a good question. What what was more nerve-wracking, submitting your dissertation for uni or talking live to Mark Stein on GB News? Oh, mate, definitely talking to Mark Stein, you know, like you, at least, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of my dissertation, at least I could pretend like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, we you, we all have. I'm sure we've all been there and uh, tried to blag our way. Go, no, we can do this like a job interview. That's my we, we my do way that on this podcast. This, oh, this always. Is, this is our podcast. Like, we base the whole thing of like, pretending to know what we're talking about on this podcast. Sounds like I'm going to fit in, man. Good. Oh, you're, you're fitting perfectly. I mean, coming up to three years, and I'm, I still don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I mean, my, my political knowledge is probably as bad as my takes on which players Chelsea should sell. So, <laughs> um, Berth, Chris, please tell me that your knowledge is better than mine, and how are you doing tonight? Um, I wouldn't go that far. Mine's probably <laughs> worse, but never mind. Um, look, yeah, it's the weekend. The weather is amazing. That's something positive to talk about. Um, although I'm slightly ginger, so, you know, I don't always fare well in the sun, but it's nice temperature at the minute. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I can't really enjoy the weather as I work indoors most of the day. So you get customers come in all the time and they're like, oh, weather's really nice, isn't it? And you're like, well, I'm inside, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just, they just come in, rub it in and then leave. You know what I mean? Oh, but, yeah, I, um, I, it, it's nice when I come out of work now that it's still light. I do enjoy that. Yeah, that is nice. That is nice. Oh, you can't. You can't. Oh, to be fair, working in an office, at least we've got open windows. So you sort of I mean, they're frosted. Frosted glass to show none of the gear that we've got, which is like, no, oh. I can sort of see brightness. No sun, though. Oh. You've got to get on that working home vibe, working yeah. from home vibe. Yeah, I could just stay in bed on my phone. That's that's the way forward. The way <laughs> forward. Uh, right. Well, I think it's time for another round of who is that former blue, as we usually do. Um, see if Ollie can get this one. We'll, don't throw your answer just yet, everyone, though. We'll see. Um, it should be not too difficult. Uh, this this former blue though he spent his youth career with some various teams, uh, Cadbury Athletic, Aston Villa, and also Coventry City before joining an unnamed Premier League side. He's been on loan twice in his career. Both of these clubs at the time were in the Premier League, but they're not now. And he has also appeared in a series of adverts in the UK promoting the fast food chain Subway. Any ideas? Don't, don't go straight forward. If you do, we'll see at the end. But have you got any ideas yet, anyone? Um, No. Oh. Not got a clue, actually. Chris? No. Ollie? 
uh, it's not like George McEachern or something, is it? No, it's someone. It's someone that we all know. We definitely, we definitely know this player. We definitely do. But we'll, we'll we have some extra clues at the end. Uh, with that though, we're going to head straight to the newsroom. See what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. Well, the, oh well, we we all know we'll, we'll go there. But weekly roundup in the elevator of Chelsea news. Reese James pulled out of the England squad to focus on his recovery from injury. The hashtag no to Ricketts campaign started to trend on Twitter and gathered huge momentum and still continues to do so. Declan Rice would still prefer a move to Chelsea over Man United. Roman Abramovich wants to ensure that the new owners have a proven track record, a vision for the club and easy access to funds. Todd Bowley's led consortium, as well as a consortium led by Sir Martin Broughton and Lord Co, have made the shortlist to buy Chelsea. And we also have a mystery buyer. That I mean, mystery buyer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> news-wise, yet again, it's dominated by our takeover and this mystery buyer, which I absolutely love this concept because, you know, what makes it more like a game show than adding a mystery prize into it? But, um, yeah, they'll probably win. Who is it? No idea. But I'll, I'll bring the guys in for their thoughts on all this. But first, Ollie, you're an expert when it comes to politics and also campaigns. How impressed have you been with the hashtag no to Ricketts campaign this week? It's fantastic. It is taken off. It's it's like it, it took off like a wildfire. I think um, it really helps that the, the Ricketts aren't very likable people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell, as well as being like, you know, not very good at running sports franchises. Um, it does help, you know, uh, and I think that's kind of partly like the intersection of where like no to Ricketts came from. As far as I can remember, I think it was like CFC Daily or, or someone like that on Twitter had started it off. And um, yeah, it's like uh, that intersection of clearly they don't run things very well with the Chicago Cubs. Clearly, they've got some less than savory people um, as part of their group. Um, and I think from that, everyone just kind of went, no, we don't want this. And it's one of the few things the entirety of the Chelsea fan base has been uh, united on, which is which is really nice recently because you, you know you got sort of a lot of experts on Twitter who like just just so discontent for no reason. You know, like you got all the people slandering Jorginho now that he didn't make the World Cup and all of that. So you know, it's it's nice to have something that everyone can can actually agree agree on. And and no to Ricketts is absolutely something everyone can agree on. I'm sure. Oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, Jorginho, for the record, third best player in the world, remember? Ballon d'Or for listeners. Come on, third best player. Um, Chris, how, how have you taken this campaign this week and the, the connection with the fan base so far? Well, I agree with Ollie. I do think it is nice to see the Chelsea fan base united on something on Twitter because it's normally really divisive. You know, Mason Mount splits opinion to between people who understand football and people who don't. Um, the Jorginho thing, like Ollie said. But to see everyone, it, it was it's a bit like the Super League, isn't it? As soon as that kicked off, it just brought all the fans together under the same opinion that this shouldn't happen. To be honest, though, the, the takeover in general, I'm sick of reading stuff. I'm just, <laughs> every day it's something new that this is happening, and then two hours later, it's like, actually, this isn't happening. Ignore that. So until anything actually concrete happens, I'm, I'm, I've decided not to worry about it. 
You wait, mystery bidder will be Simon Jordan from Talksport. I can't, I cannot wait for the mystery bidder. It's like, it's like you know, um, like in Take Me Out, and you know, you got <laughs> reveal yourself. You oh, know? it's brilliant. I just don't yeah. know where it came from. It just, it was just the fact that it slowly got leaked over the last forty-eight hours about who's on the shortlist, which we still don't actually know. Like they've not actually released it. We're just going based on journalists who are getting their sources wherever they're getting them. Uh, and then so all of a sudden, mystery bidder. I'm like, what? I mean, it, They've got we... to have a good bid as well. They've got to have a really good bid, you know, to not have any PR, none of it. Uh, it and it's... still be up there. Yeah. Oh, as of 24 minutes ago, apparently Matt Laws tweeted, Rain have now informed the Ricketts family that they have made the final shortlist. Uh... Just because they're, the, they're on the final shortlist, though, it doesn't mean that they're actually, you know, going to actually own the club I'd, I'd be I still don't see it purely because of what's been going on the last week with the hashtag I just don't I just don't see it but, I think everyone's got to do their bit though no to Ricketts hashtag no to Ricketts yeah of course keep that keep the voice loud 100% uh, Berth, what, what? how are you feeling with this takeover yeah um, I mean I agree with, with both yeah um, I'm also with Chris on the fact that I'm kind of a bit sick of seeing it now um but this this mystery bidder thing, I mean, I'm a big wrestling fan, and I don't know if you like know what the Royal Rumble is. I know of it. Yeah. I do. Right. Oh, so, um, <laughs> no, it's just like you're counting down. I can't wait for someone to like enter like the fair, like someone out of nowhere, someone that, like someone random, like maybe like Roman Abramovich under a different name or something like that. I don't know. It's just something <laughs> random, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, Stone Cold. Like <laughs> the, the Rock has suddenly bought Chelsea Football Club. Like, what an idea that would be. Um, but he owns the XFL. The old, He's very yeah, well true, true. But going back to the old um, no to Ricketts campaign, um, I think all of that is brilliant to see that everyone's sort of united. Um, it shows the good side of social media. Um, I think me personally, I think there's a lot of toxicity on social media, um, so I try and stay off it as much as possible these days. Um, because of if you've got a different opinion to someone, you normally get abused or whatever, and you can't have an argument with someone these days. Um, but it's just nice to see everyone united, everyone using social media in the right way uh, to get their point across the right way. Um, and hopefully, I know obviously you've just said they've been shortlisted. Hopefully, the Ricketts family do not go anywhere near Chelsea Football Club. Um, I don't see it happening, but no, hopefully, same. hopefully um, it gets sorted as soon as I mean, possible. There's a there's a pretty good reason why I don't think I see it happening, right? You you look at Bowley and his consortium and his his look at things. We've got the mystery bidder who's like a complete, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk. Uh, could be could be anyone. Could be yeah. Anyone. But look, look at Bowley, right? It's a pretty good comparison, I reckon, to to the Ricketts in terms of like what the what you're actually looking at in terms of what you're getting. He talks about a winning mentality. The the Dodgers have been a good institution um, in the U.S. for for years and years and years, you know, they're always run well. It's always about elite winning. It, 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 and then you look at how they're run, and then you look at how the Cubs are run, and it's just no contest. Oh, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think he also owns a stake in the LA Lakers, doesn't he? Todd Bowley. I think he does. I'm not too sure. Not I too sure. Does. I'm sure. I might be wrong. Correct me on that if you wish, listeners. Um, I've just also saw a random Sky Sports tweet come up saying any potential buyer that's on the shortlist will have access to all our financial data, including player wages. Oh, when they see Lukaku's wage, they'll be like, what? We're paying him how much? Oh, that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, it's just, just going to keep going. I don't even think this will be sorted before next week. But oh, we hoped for Brentford. We hoped, but 
so be it. Uh, sadly, we do have an international break, which means no games to review. But hey, shrug emoji, as they say. I hated hate myself right now, and I hate myself more for saying it. But anyway, topics are back on the agenda. And with Thiago Silva aging like the finest of wines in Andrea Perlo's collection, I thought a great discussion piece this week would be in which Chelsea players had incredible seasons for us in their 30s. So there's, there's so many to choose from. And this could be open to a really good debate, I feel, about where we feel they rank. But I'll kick us off with an icon, and that's Didier Drogba. I'm sure no one's going to disagree here. And in particular, the 09-10 season. It, it's his greatest season, in my opinion. And I'd argue it's better than his Champions League winning campaign one. Because his stats for this season are 29 in 32 Premier League games. He wins the Golden Boot. He gets 3-5 in five in the Champions League, 2-2 two two in the League Cup, 3-4 for the FA Cup. He's a key part of our Premier League and FA Cup double-winning side at 32. I don't know if anyone wishes to share memories of that season or throw bits in on this. No, I um, I, I agree with that. I think this is one of the best seasons I've seen from a, a Chelsea striker full stop. Um, I think when you compare that to the Champions League campaign, I think in the Premier League in that season, I don't think Drogba actually scored that many goals. Um if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm not even sure if he got to double figures in the Premier League for that season, the 11-12 season. Um, I don't think he did. I think he nah. got six. Yeah, I, I don't think he had a great season. But the, the 09-10 season, um, there was a debate, wasn't there, where who was better, Torres or Drogba? And I just feel that Drogba was the complete striker that season. He had the pace, he had the power, he had the strength, he had... You know, he's in the right place at the right time. He wouldn't miss anything. He'd score all kinds of goals. He'd turn up in the big games. There was no weakness to his game in that season. And I just feel that at the age of how old was he in that season? Was he 31, 32? Did 32, you say yeah, 32. Yeah, for a 32-year-old to be at his peak and, and win us the league pretty much, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but had a massive, massive part in it. I mean, that is seriously impressive. And I think if you look at all-round sort of Premier League seasons, I think that, that drug per season has to be up there, one of the best individual performances ever, really. Yeah. Well, what What do you think about that 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 shout for the 09-10 season of Drogba, Ollie? It's a really, really strong season, isn't it? You know, the thing about Drogba is, I think people saw it a lot more that the older he got was he had a, a ridiculous football like you. You know, he just, he, he, I don't know whether he just had like excellent instincts or whether he, you know, whether he actively like thought about what he wanted to do and his tactics and things like that. But, you know, he would always do the exact right thing, even down to the little micro movements in the moment, whether he chest the ball down or take it into feet or nod it on, you know, like, and doing stuff like that is, you know, it makes, it made him so difficult to mark. And, you know, like, I think the one of the problems, and you can't help but compare because they're quite similar, well, they, at least they appear to be quite similar players. When you look at someone like Lukaku, um, he appears to be like a pretty one-dimensional kind of player and you kind of know what he's going to do. He's either going to take it, uh, you know, into his body and then try and roll off the shoulder of the striker, or off the defender and go and try and score, or he's going to run down the right channel. That's it. Whereas Drogba, you know, he could, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all the sorts of goals that he's scored, you know, like he's either a poacher in the box, he's going to give you a bullet header, he could shoot, like he'd do a half volley from like 30 yards away, you know, like... And I think about it, just knowing what to do in that moment is probably what made him one of the best of the best. Yeah, 100%. Um, before I bring in one of you three to drop a name in, we have breaking news. This never happens. We have the shortlist. I have oh. it, and it, it's legit. Wow. It's from The Athletic. It is legit. 
yes, the Ricketts family are sadly on there, but don't worry. Um, Todd Bowley, his consortium are on it. Uh, David Blitzer and Josh Harris are on it. And the mystery bidder is Boston Celtics owner Stephen Pagliuca, if I pronounce that terribly. He owns Atalanta as well. And he's got a lot of money behind him. So mm. there we go. That, that's that's the uh, that's the shortlist. They should have kept that mystery bit of going. I was enjoying that. <laughs> but hey, there's the own there's the potential new owners for us. Um, let's see how that plays out. Uh, right, I'll, I'll bring Ollie in. What what player do you feel that Chelsea had a great season in their thirties? Who was maybe at their peak as well? There's so many to choose from. So I I think there's. I've got a couple. I, I feel like I'm, I kind of know some of the ideas that maybe some of you guys are going to go with, and I don't want to steal your thunder. So I went with a few slightly, slightly more outlandish picks, um, and you can feel free to sort of reject it if if you don't think so. <laughs> um, but the first one, and this is more of a joke than anything, but purely on an age perspective, Willy Caballero. Oh, watch! That's actually fair, actually. Like, yeah. He played for us as a backup keeper. He was thirty-eight years old. You know, I think he. I think I. I remember he. He won us a few penalty shootouts, if I remember rightly. Oh yeah. Uh, not, yeah. Not a bad shout, but um, I would say if I was going to go with one, and I'm I'm going with one that's more recent. Um, I, I know you know it's a bit more of an outlandish one. I'm going to say Olivier Giroud. Yeah. Mm, oh, hundred percent. You know, like he was just, you know, I, I don't think he got really that. I think he was more appreciated towards the end of his Chelsea career, especially considering, you know, we had Tammy and things like that. And But, you know, like after Azpilicueta, probably the most reliable player in the team at the time, mm. you know, like he, you could always count on him for a goal. And, and he was, again, a, a bit like Drogba in a way. He could, he could do a lot. Could, he could do it all. Um, I'm just remembering that goal. For, uh, do you remember the Hampton where he dribbled? I think it was in the FA Cup. He dribbled through like three or four oh, players. Oh yes. Yeah. You know what? I, I will always remember that goal because I was behind the goal when he scored that, <laughs> and it's the best goal I've ever seen live. To see it's someone ridiculous. that big, yeah. So when I'm thinking about, it, I think his his final season for us, he was like 32, 33, um, something like that. And he, you know what? And like, and he's and now he's still ripping it up at AC Milan, I believe. So. He joined actually at age thirty-two, so I think what would he be? Twenty-one. He's thirty-five now, isn't he? So he left last season, so he'd be like what thirty-four, was he? Yeah, yeah. thirty-three, thirty-four. Wow. So I think you know, in terms of like older older players, I think he, weirdly enough, you've got to put him up there. Oh yeah, he's just so consistent, and you've you've thrown out an incredible shout there, and no one's disagreeing with Giroud. Amazing, amazing. Um, Chris Giroud. Yeah, I mean, that second half of the season under Lampard, he was one of the main reasons why we got top four, wasn't he? I mean, his form from the restart was crucial to us getting in the top four. But not just that, his, I think his season in the Europa League when we won that under Sarri is really oh. underrated. Like, he was in, he, Yeah, he got in the squad of the season in the Europa League where they did their like team of the tournament. Yeah, like I know people are saying, oh, it's only the Europa League, but there's been other top strikers who have gone into Europa League and not done anywhere near what Giroud did that season. I think he got like 13 goals in that Europa League campaign, which is incredible when you think about Wasn't it. Wasn't that what that one game he scored four goals? Oh, yeah, I think he that. did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he, he did, did. Yeah, yeah. And then and he, his he head, a couple uh, hat tricks for us, and also, you know, like he's 
He's a, he was an absolute gem of a player, and I think he was he was really underrated. Maybe because he came from Arsenal, and you know, like they didn't really, he didn't really win anything with them while he was there. But yeah, is is header in the Europa League final as well? What a header that was! <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just I'm just remembering. I've got a highlight reel now of all Giroud's goals. Do you remember that uh, against Atletico, the bicycle kick he scored? Oh, yeah. that's that's yeah. just otherworldly. Just wow, that got us through. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, wow. Oh wow. Um, Berth, give us a name. Come on, who have you got? I reckon no one saw this, and I think it's a great, great, great show. Claude Makélélé. Yeah. I I put him as an honourable mention because he joined at thirty exactly. <laughs> I know, but I feel like his first season he didn't quite. Obviously, he was fantastic, but I don't think you sort of noticed it until we won the Prem. I think oh, the yeah. following season. Um, and. You have to be some player to have a role and a position named after you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, he changed the game in the Premier League for a holding midfielder. Um, Revolutionary, yeah, literally incredible. I mean, he sort of was the first player I saw who was just literally a holding midfield player who literally break up the play, would win the ball back so much. And I, I growing up, I never seen anything like Claude McAuley. Um he just, I mean, people always compare him to Kante and Sen and, and whatever, but I feel like he was different to them in the fact that he was so disciplined. The other two could sort of go box to box, but he was so disciplined. He would just win the ball back. His passing was so underrated, I thought. His, his positioning was incredible. And I just think if we didn't have him that first season, well, whether we won the league, I'm not too sure if he would have actually won the league. Could be wrong. Um, but I just feel he was such an important player for us that season. Um, and, and I think he's a Chelsea legend. Yeah, I mean, when Zidane's saying the, the, the famous quote that's why do you need to add a cold layer on a Bentley when you've already lost the engine speaks volumes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, guy, uh, Chris, Ollie, what, what are your thoughts on Makaleli? Oh, I mean, like he, he, he was the, the ultimate defensive midfielder, wasn't he? He could do it all. And, you know, I think that the positions maybe have slightly changed a little bit. You know, like a lot of DMs now are expected to get forward. You know, you've got Kante who likes to get forward. Even people like um, Matic got forward quite a lot when he played for us. Mm. You know, had a had, had an absolute thunderbolt on him. You know, if you remember that one goal he scored oh, yeah. in the FA Cup against Spurs. Against Spurs, yeah. But I think, you know, you just... you. Class is permanent, isn't it? And you know, like, there's a reason he eventually left us and went to Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talking of Real Madrid, because obviously, you know, that's where Makaleli of all people came from. We've got to thank Man United because them selling Beckham meant that there was no money for a contract renewal for Makaleli. They had no extra money to renew his contract, let alone give him a better salary that he deserved. And you know, that that's what resulted in eventually him going to to us. Um. Chris, who have you got lined up for your your pick? Who do you think? Well, I think he just turned 30 for this season. But Gary Cahill. The... Yeah, I was thinking of him, yeah. Oh, he had some prime seasons in his 30s, easily. Yeah, I think, I think it was the Conte title-winning season. I think he turned 30 either at the start of that season or during it. And he was incredible that season. You could always count on him to pop up in the box from like a corner and just smash in a half volley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so true. As, if I remember, he's done that like he did that like three or four, five times for us. 
Yeah, for Villa as well. <laughs> I remember some of the goals he scored there. He's, he, he, he always... He always offered that goal-scoring threat, and when you needed it, he always seemed to pop up at big moments, not just like the fourth in a 4 nil. It was always the opening goal in a tight game. And mm. I, I do think at the start of that season, when we when we dropped off the form just before Conte switched to the three at the back, people was writing Cahill off a bit, and then I think the change to the three at the back helped him massively, as it did WS, but... The rest of that season, Cahill was very much like Thiago Silva now, like almost impeccable, like just didn't make mistakes. I think the only other mistake I remember that season was his own goal at Man City. Mm. Mm. But that was really unlucky. I mean, he was on the full stretch and that could have gone anywhere. But the rest of that season, he was unbelievable. And really, from then until he didn't play for us anymore, he was really consistent. I just think with defenders, especially, I think they do get better with age because they, they read the game so much better. Mm, yeah, I think that's an underrated uh, quality. In def- yeah, that's and probably if we're talking why about, you know, older season, you know, like I'm sure Thiago Silva is is the reason we've we've all sort of come across this concept, you know, a bit more today. Because honestly, I, have you seen the man? He looks younger than when he used to play, like for AC Milan. <laughs> It's, 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 it's true. It really yeah, is. It is I, yeah. I mean, he's been going since, uh, obviously, he started his senior career in 2002. And uh, 2002? I mean, that's that's 20 years ago. I mean, It's ridiculous. Wow. You know, people give Ronaldo a lot of a lot of credit for, you know, staying on top of his mm. game and staying in peak physical condition for as long as he has. But Thiago Silva's done the same thing. Oh, great. You know, he's yeah. of that class as well with Zlatan as well. You know, they have exactly. aged amazingly amazingly since last time like 40 and he's still playing i yeah he's approaching yeah. 40 and I think I think he's he's for sweden wasn't he yeah like not well i don't it, know if he played but he, he was on the he's in the squad he's you know fine wine players they really are and you're right ronaldo gets all this credit for keeping himself in peak condition and it's amazing he's done it Thiago silver is just should be up there as well so underrated in his his health and lifestyle choices um I'm going to throw this one in. Gianfranco Zola, you know, he had seven years at Stamford Bridge. They were all memorable. I mean, he became a player that, you know, we've discussed on this show before that he's beloved by so many fans as well as Chelsea fans. And that says a lot about his character. And also I'd say the way he played because it was always with a smile and it's a commitment to the team and to sort of self-expression. Um, I mean, Zola won FA Cup, Cup Winners' Cup, and he, he I, I guess you could say he taught us how to properly backhill goals in, you know, against Norwich and many other games too with his passing. But, you know, it's a shame that he stayed. He didn't stay till after 2003 and lift that title that he, he really deserved, but he did. Incredible. Says a lot about his character as well. He'd already agreed a thing with yeah. uh, contract Cagliari, I think it was. Mm, and, that's right. And he, and he didn't want to break his word. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I respect you can't not. I mean, that says it again. He's just such a just such a gentleman. He's just a oh, what a player. What a player. Um, Yeah. But it is a question for you. And it's it, you could probably have an old episode on this this debate. Hazard or Zola, which one do you pick? Oh, oh um, that, <laughs> I love both. I mean, that, that makes me sit on the fence as well. Oh, I mean, recency bias, isn't it? I, I can remember Hazard perfectly whilst I can't remember Zola, which is so unfair on the man. 
I don't remember Zola. It is, as much. but the way I look at it, the way I look at it is that growing up, Zola made me fall in love with, with football and, and Chelsea, and obviously, I think Zola made me appreciate Hazard more. So without Zola, I don't think I'd appreciate Hazard as much. If that makes sense. Mm. Yes. Yeah. No, I see where you're coming from. I really mm. do. Right. Who who wants to throw the next name in? I've got a good one. Oh, go ahead. Samuel Leto. Oh, yeah. oh it, 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 great. It, it, it was fun. He was fun, wasn't he? He was a great player. He, I think he only stayed with us for a season, but he was brilliant. Oh, I he mean, just, he proved yeah. that class, you know, it, like I said earlier, class really is permanent. He, he was he was fantastic for us. Was he? Did he set the world on fire? No. But, you know, <laughs> I remember he scored a hat-trick for us. At least yeah, yeah, against, yeah. Man yeah, yeah. against Man United. Yeah, against Man United. I don't remember that. And he, uh, the famous uh, old man goal celebration i love that yeah oh. yeah oh man he was i mean to be fair whenever we sign a ballon d'or winner it doesn't always go well but um no, no. Oh, wait did he did he get a ballon d'or i thought no maybe no nah, he was think. on the podium i know he was he must Not have been he yeah he's top de- three, yeah i don't yes. think he ever won it that yeah i've just pulled it up 2005 he was bronze Behind Lampard and Ronaldinho. Yeah, there you go. So. You're saying he's he's Jorginho level? Well, yeah, he is. He's Jorginho yeah, yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a he's a he's another player that if obviously times had just been a bit more on his side, he could have easily been a Ballon d'Or winner. But you know, you can't argue with Ronaldinho, his teammate at Barca during that year. Yeah, he was. Etu was great. And then he went to Everton. It didn't it didn't go too well. And I still can't believe he played one season. Wow. Yeah. One season at Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Right, Chris, Berth, come on. I'm sure you've got a second one. I've got, um, to be honest, you could probably pair them up, but I think for me, John Terry in that 14 15 season when we won the mm. league oh. with the Mourinho. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you'd have, if you had John Terry and Thiago Silva together, I don't, I genuinely don't think we'd concede more than 10 goals in a season. And uh, that's no exaggeration because I think. They're I mean, both... they couldn't run. <laughs> no, well, well, to be fair, you, you, they both prove. I mean, Thiago Silva used to have pace. That, that he used to be very quick. Thiago Silva, obviously, oh, he's yeah. thirty-seven now, so he, he hasn't got as much. But they've both proved that if you're a world-class centre back, you do not need pace. All you need is a footballing brain. Um, you need the positioning, and you need you just need to be one step ahead of the attackers. And both of them. A brilliant idea. You look out, they defend the near post. John Terry was the master at that. He'd put mm-hmm. his head on the line for everything. Um, that 14 15 season, I think the game that summed him up, um, it was, I think it was Arsenal away, and it was one of the most boring games I've ever seen in my life. It was nil nil. But John Terry just won everything. It was like, it was like just having a wall at the back. And you, you talk about, I mean, all of John Terry's seasons were incredible, but that season he was—I can't think how old he was. Maybe 33, 34, something like that. Um, thirty-four. Thirty-four, yeah. So, like, I mean, it's just immense. And, and and the fact that Rafa Benitez tried to sort of get him out of squad a couple of seasons before that—it just really is remarkable. That he, he, he thought played like, every minute was, of every game, wasn't it, that season? Every yeah. minute of every yeah. game in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, at thirty-four. Yeah, Crazy. ridiculous, ridiculous, but. You know, for me, John Terry is the best centre back the Premier League's ever seen, and that that season just proves what he is. I don't know why I always remember it, and this is one of the, this is one of the reasons Chelsea fans probably wouldn't don't like VAR very much. 
is because it would have robbed us of a moment like this. But do you guys remember John Terry's 97th backheel goal winner? Against Everton. Yeah, yeah. against Everton, yeah. yeah. And we would have been robbed of that. But like, I don't know why. Whenever I think of John Terry, I always remember his celebration there where he went and he stood on the advertising board, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Ah, some, some great memories of him. Oh, 100%. Right. What was it? Who jumped in with that? Was that you, Berth, who jumped it in with me. It was me. It was me. Right, Chris, come on, your second name. I've gone for someone who is an absolute legend, and we'll all agree on that. But William? in a position. <laughs> <laughs> in Power a position. Best running which, doesn't, which doesn't always get credit. Petr Cech. Yeah, I was thinking of yeah. Cech. That's yeah. such a great He's such a legend that we, we literally almost forget him. He's like, yeah, he's legend instantly. Yeah, moving on. I, we I think it's because he's a goalkeeper. I know that sounds yeah, strange, but you just overlook goalkeepers. But actually, Petr should be classed as, well, one of the best Chelsea players ever, but he isn't because he's a keeper. Yeah, that's it. And, like, if you look at it, I think people almost don't talk about him because he was so consistent from the minute he joined to when he left. He, he just had incredible seasons after incredible seasons, and it almost become the norm that, that's just a level he performed at. So and, I think when you the, do that. Yeah. As well for him to, it's a story of adversity, isn't it? Because, you know, how, ma- how many players would have retired with a metal plate? Yeah. Goal, mm. Right? Yeah. He yeah. went, no, stick the scrum cap on, I'll keep going. He's iconic. That's what yeah. he is, he's iconic. Uh, uh, he's one, in my opinion, happy to be shot down. He's up there with the greatest of all time, you know, with your Levy Ashins, your Casillas, Buffon, Dino's off. I mean... He's up there because of his honours alone. I mean, if you look at it, he's got, you know, Czech Football of the Year times seven. Okay, you could go, yeah, but so what? But three League Cups, five FA Cups, four League titles, Europa League, Champions League. I mean, he basically single-handedly won us that Champions League final. I'll I'll tell you what's so impressive as well. I mean, going back to the injury point, I think a lot of players when they're have had that sort of injury would decline in performance and be very mm, very hesitant yeah. be hesitant to get injured again um especially for a goalkeeper you're gonna get a lot of collisions and, and stuff and you, you kind of felt that when check had that injury when he came back would he be the same but he was the same pet check that we had before that and he was equally even better um so for him to come back from that injury um and still be as courageous was brave it is really remarkable to be honest i think that gets a bit overlooked as well um, and you talk about champions league final i mean you don't even need to say anymore because he 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 was immense in that penalty shootout and in extra time as well yeah i think he doesn't get i think in a way it's kind of it's kind of not destroyed his legacy but it's you know there's a few things that like make him not as well remembered, and I think partly of that is one he went to Arsenal, but everyone yeah. knew he was kind of done, and he was just kind of trying to stick around London. So I don't really hold him anything against him for that. Arsenal's mm. a retirement home anyway. Um, but the other thing is, I think he gets a lot of stick now because he's on the board. Yeah, and, you know, like there's that iconic image, isn't there, of the Super League protest where he stood there mm. with all of the um, all of the people outside Stamford Bridge, and and you just think. In a way, like in some way, he's almost become a bit of a symbol of the board, and I think that's really unfair on the man, um, to be honest, and the player. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, when I think Czech, I just think of the super save against Man United, Javier Hernandez. Oh, I love that save. Wow, I still don't understand. Everybody, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I have no idea how he didn't go in. I think Mad. Andy Carroll save in the in the semi-final. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Wow. I mean, whether it went over the line or not. Didn't go over the line. <laughs> um, but what a save that is. I mean, he's got so many great saves. If if we we have that because they have the Garcia ghost goal. End of. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've got to throw this in before we go, like for a while, cause throwing names in. Rude Hollett. I mean, he was nearly 33 when he joined us. Uh, Glenn Hoddle obviously brought him in to act as the sweeper. He, he was our midfield talisman at the time. He helped the club to obviously an FA Cup semi-final, which, you know, it might not be much, but still. Uh, at the end of the season, he was named the runner-up in the PFA Player of the Year awards. Uh, Eric Cantona had claimed that honour. Fair enough. Um, but Hullett's last achievements came when he took one step back from the pitch and Obviously, in the summer of 96, he, he was our player manager. He won the FA Cup, signed Zola, Viali, Di Matteo, Frank LeBur, And he imported that playing style that mirrored kind of Hullet's panache. And he was the first major signing that I think was the influx of like foreign talent coming to the Premier League because it was very English dominated at the time. Yeah, Hullet's amazing. I'm sad I didn't get yeah. to watch him play. I'm a little bit too a bit too young to have seen him play, but um, I, you know, I, the highlights and stuff will never show you the you know how good someone actually is on their day or not. But from what I've seen, he was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, amazing mm. on FIFA. From what I <laughs> yeah, he he is amazing on FIFA. Uh, as someone who plays a lot of FIFA, he is very very good on FIFA. Oh, uh, guys, just just throw names in. Go for it, Dennis Wise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, uh, he like in his prime, I felt like when I was growing up in Chelsea, um, he won us an FA Cup. Um, you know, I mean, what a tenacious midfielder he was. Was very classy on the ball, I thought. Um, obviously, he's got his reputation of being a bit of a tough tackler, which he is, but I thought on the ball, he's very classy as well. Popped up with some really important goals for us. Um, what a great captain he was. And, um, yeah, I, I just thought he was... Uh, just an incredible player to watch. He's all. He's always entertaining. All, there's always something going on with Dennis Wise on the pitch, so you can never take your eyes off him. Yeah, that's true. He he was um, he was one of the the first sort of ratting around midfield. Yeah, like, yeah, very ratty. He, yeah, yeah. He made it to like such a high level when he wasn't that technically gifted, but he he made like the most of the attributes that he did have. If you know what I mean. Bit mm. like, bit like Beckham, really. Like, not naturally talented, but just really got the most out of the talent that they did have. Mm. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Any, any final names? Any, Cesc any. Fabregas. Yeah, yeah great he, was, he was. He was. He didn't need pace though, did he? He was just majestic. Yeah, he, he like he's the definition of a Rolls Royce midfielder. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I was good when he went to Monaco because you could see when he obviously it was the FA Cup and he came off and it was obvious going to be his last game. You could see the emotion there when he was he knew that obviously where he was going next. He really did care for us. The thing is with that though, I was I was a bit disappointed in Sarri. I know he liked Jorginho, but I felt that Fabregas could have done exactly what Jorginho did for that Sarri team. Yeah, he could have. It's, it's, it's a shame. Arguably. Hmm. 
I think I'll, as well, I'll... though, Fabregas, like, I do think he's another one who is really underrated. Like, yeah. I think as well, you know how good a player was, not by Chelsea fans, I mean, like, by, like, football fans in general. Um, whereas at Chelsea, I think people still talk now about him being a player we've never replaced. And I think that's how you know how good a player was if years later people are saying we still haven't replaced Fabregas. Easily mm. top 10, in the top 10, most talented Chelsea players of all time. Easily. Mm. I think, I think oh. Fabregas's problem was that he came sort of, at his peak, was unfortunately the same peak as Xavi, Iniesta, David Silva, Juan Mata, yeah. like all these Spanish midfielders. Um so it was hard to stand out in that sort of bracket of all those players. Um, so I think that's why he's sort of a bit underrated overall. But from a Chelsea perspective, I think, yeah, I'd agree. He was one of the most talented players I've seen for sure. Yeah, I'm going to throw this final name in for myself. Uh, he was our former blue last week, Paolo Ferreira. Always putting a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Always. Maybe never, maybe never an 8 or a 9, but he never put in a 5. Never point of five. Always a second. And he only five. just left the club. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. I think he's gone back to Portugal, hasn't he, to be with his family and like be close with... Obviously, I can I can get that. You know, want to be back I mean, in... That's uh, the definition of a man who's given his entire career to Chelsea, really. Yeah, because yeah. he joined yeah. the same season, obviously, Carvalho came. Mm. So, for, I mean, he's, he's like an Azpilicueta. You know, he was always consistent. Never that's world class, but still consistent. No, but I think as a fallback, I, I think that's what you need is is consistency. You don't want to be, um, you don't want to be dropping twos or or threes out of ten every week. You want to be sort of, you want to be at that seven out of ten every week. Um, yeah. Just like Aspilicueta, yeah, just very very consistent for Never really put a foot wrong. Never stood out, but like I said, you, you don't need to stand out a fallback. Obviously, you got Trent and Reece James these days who are smashing it, but you know, back then you just you didn't need to stand out. You just all you had to be was consistent and solid, and that's what he was. Yeah, hundred percent. Any final names before we draw this topic to a conclusion? I've got a few. Oh, go go for it. All right. Well, uh, first one. I never got to see him play, but I know uh, from anecdotal evidence he was very good for us. Marcel Desailly. Oh, yeah. What a player. Oh, what a yeah. legend. Key goal. Key goal. Remember that. Weren't Gronkia. We only needed yeah. to draw. He got that key goal. <laughs> Of course, you know, uh, we've also we not mentioned Frank Lampard, but it kind of goes without saying. Yeah. yeah. Nicholas Anelka. Nicholas yeah. Anelka is a great shout. What a great shout. And, bumped into, um, yeah, bumped into he, him. But... He's, honestly, he, he's like, he, he was the absolute definition of mercenary, but he was so good. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and the last one I would say, apart, apart from Azpilicueta, because I think even, I would even say Azpilicueta this season. But um, has has had a, has one of had one of his best seasons for Chelsea. Real real leader, real brilliant leader for us. Um, but the other one, um, I'm not sure if you guys remember, he was 30 at one point when he played for us. Pedro. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think Pedro. Oh, Pedro. Yeah, I think Pedro is a very underrated player because he's a fantastic finisher. And when you really needed someone to turn up, like the the goal away at Everton under Conte in the mm. first season. Yeah. That always reminds you of how good Pedro was. Fantastic. He kind player. of does in my head. He kind of does what Ziyech does now. Yeah, I see what he's saying. With that he's yeah, better. You know, like you, you, you could pop up, and you know, like on the sort of on the on the inside on that left foot, he would always put it top bins. Always. I remember he scored one against Bournemouth, 
and Spurs, and they were like exactly the same. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. He he was he, he I don't know if he got enough credit. I think in the end his legs had sort of gone, but I, I think when he when he was on his day, he was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Um, I think I think it's obviously the best over best Chelsea player in the thirties was. It's probably William. <laughs> Should have given that oh, contract. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, maybe not. Um, right before we sign off, it's going to be that time to. Did you hear Chris laugh in the background there? He's like, no fucking chance. <laughs> Um, before we sign off, it's time to find out who that former blue is. So at the start, I said he spent his youth career with various teams, such as Cadbury Athletic, Aston Villa, and also Coventry. And then he joins an unnamed Premier League side. There's a reason I've said unnamed, because I think it'd give it away. Uh, and then he, he, he was on loan twice, both to clubs in the Premier League. They're not there now. And he appeared in a series of ads for Subway. So I'll give you some players. He played with Alexander Sorloff. Gareth Barry mm. and Casper Schmeichel, all at club level. Oh, do you know what? I might have it. Oh, go on. Oh, I don't. Is it Robert Hooth? It's not. It's not. He plays. He currently plays in Australia. Uh, I've he's not a two, got a clue. He's a two-time Champions League winner, but he never played in either game. <laughs> It's not Turnbull, is it? You, no, it's not Turnbull. Think further up the pitch. Much further up the pitch. I'll give you the teams. He played with Sorloff at Trabonspor, mm. Gareth Barry at West Brom, Casper Schmeichel at Man City. Uh, no. Daniel Sturridge. It's yeah, Daniel Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge, isn't ah. it? Yes. Daniel Stur- that you see, that's why I didn't go with he joined Man City because I feel like everyone, some people actually do forget he played for Man City at youth level. Because yeah, yeah, we, was... we we paid a tribunal free for him if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember the exact details, but yeah, I remember. remember it was a long time ago. It was yeah, a, it was yeah. long time ago. Um, with that, though, we, we've come to the end of another episode about the Bridge Pod, but I just want to say thank you to Ollie for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ollie J Carpenter, that's O L I J Carpenter, like the job, or at Goalitics, that's at G O A L I T I C S. Awesome stuff. Uh, and before we sign off, I just wish to ask this last question for you. If listeners want to know more about, say, the politics involved in football, are there any articles, websites or books you'd suggest? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know what? I can't think of anything off the top of my head because I've, <laughs> I've been putting put on the spot. <laughs> but you know what? Google is always your friend. Yeah, if, if you think of any, I'll be sure to retweet them out because, you know, it's always there's always something to read. There's always something very interesting out there. We know that. If I remember rightly, there's a book called The Billionaire's Club, which is oh. pretty good. Oh, I might check that out, actually. I do, I do like to do like to read into my uh, my sport. Um, yeah, but as always, you can find ourselves on Twitter and Instagram if you don't really follow us by searching for at, at the bridge pod. If you listen on Apple Pods, then you can leave us a five-star review. It does help us out, especially after some people said certain people were negative on this show. <laughs> but um, it's international break, as we know, so we'll be back next Friday, unless some huge news breaks in regard to our takeover. But I can't see that happening now the list's out. It'll probably take another two years to decide. So, yeah, till next week, that is going to be us signing off.